You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. You know, we, we live in a weird time in this world where there's a great debate about sex and gender and marriage. And meanwhile, in the church, as we gather together as a part of this greater culture with things with which we agree, things with which we disagree, and as we come together, we open the Word of God to see if there are some timeless truths for our truthless times. And today, and especially next week, we're going to hit what is perhaps the most hotly contested and debated, perhaps even the most avoided section, especially in all of Ephesians, if not the entire New Testament. It's going to be about marriage and defining roles within marriage. And what we'll notice as we read this letter from the Apostle Paul, he is going to equate marriage with the love that Jesus has for the church. And because there's so much in this passage, we want to spend two weeks on it. Today will be the Jesus and church part. Next week will be the marriage part, but taking our cue from the way Jesus loves the church. It's the way Scripture expresses it, and we want to be all about Scripture. You see, as we examine the last half of Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is going to talk about Jesus' love for the church and what that means for men and women in the context of Christian marriage. And as he weds these two, see what I did there? As he weds these two concepts together, what you're going to see is that you can't separate the love of Jesus from the intentions of God for married couples. So here's our text. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The big idea here is love. Seven times in this this short section, the word love appears. Now, in our culture, love pretty much means you get to do whatever you want to do. At least that's what we think. In the Bible, that's not what love is. According to the Bible, love is a great mystery. Paul uses that language here and elsewhere in Ephesians. And what he means is that it's a great mystery 
until Jesus Christ comes along. It's a great mystery that was previously unknown, but has been made known through Jesus Christ. People would use this language of love, but they would pour into it all sorts of misunderstanding and poor meaning. But once Jesus came, we now see what love is. We now know what love is. Love not only has a definition, it's walking around as an example. So here's the idea for Christians. There is no understanding of love apart from the person and work of Jesus. Unfortunately, for many, that still remains a mystery. They don't really understand what love is, what love means, what love does. But those of us who know Jesus have the opportunity to know what love is and what love does. Because it's a mystery no longer. It's been revealed through Jesus Christ. And what Paul says is when it comes to love, we must not start with your love for your spouse, or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your family member or your pet. You must start with the love God has for you. The perfect love that God has. It's the pattern of the love that we might have for one another through the grace of God. That's God's love at work. Paul then brings that into bear with husband and wife relationships. As a pastor, I've officiated lots of weddings. And there's no more amazing moment than when the back doors of the church open and the bride steps forward. Or if it's outdoors, the moment she comes into view. And there she is in all of her glory. You see her face radiating with joy and hope. And then as I turn to the groom and I see his face, seeing her face, the joy, the love, the cherishing, the affection, the devotion that's on his face. And what the apostle Paul is saying is that Jesus' love for the church is like a groom's love for the bride. It's this timeless, amazing, devoted, perfect covenant commitment affection. We love to see people fall in love and stay in love. And all of that heart's yearning and longing is what is ultimately possible only through Jesus. You see, what, what causes us to understand this longing for something that's so perfect and, and sacrificial and unconditional, that kind of love will never be met or satisfied in a relationship with another person. It can only come in a relationship with Jesus. And as we see that love in Jesus Christ, it then allows us to start feeling it. And once we start feeling Jesus' love, that means we can stop using other people and actually start loving them. Because when we're using other people, what we're doing is we're using them for the love that we're supposed to get only through Jesus. And you don't have to be in a relationship with someone to experience this. You don't have to be in a dating relationship. It means also that those that we love, particularly our spouse, will fail us. But when that happens, our love doesn't come to an end. We're not ones without love. Our identity is not one as unloved or previously loved, but one who is still continually, perfectly loved by Jesus. And you know what that does? It frees us up. It frees us up to know that Jesus loves us. 
so we can love him and we can love others with the love that he gives. And all of that is encapsulated in Paul's teaching regarding how Jesus' love for the church is the pattern and source for the husband and wife kind of love. So as I said at the beginning, today we're going to talk about the ways, according to Paul, that Jesus loves the church. That's going to be our pattern for Christian marriage. So the ways that Jesus loves the church, Paul lists five of them. We'll look back at them. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So the first way that Jesus loves us is as our head. Now, the head is the top. It's the most prominent. It's the preeminent. That means he's in charge. Jesus is in authority. For our church, practically, what that means is it doesn't matter what I want or what you want. It doesn't even matter if we took a vote. The question is, what does he want? What does Jesus say? The church belongs to him and has ultimately got to be governed by his word. One of the great errors that happens among church people is that they show up and they say, well, you know what? I'm a member. I give. (laughs) It's my church. Or they'll say, you know, I I join. I'm a leader. I now have a right to say whatever I want to say and get whatever I want. It's my church. Or someone might say, well, you know, I represent a group. We took a vote. (laughs) This is our church. No, it's his church. And we should constantly be asking, Lord Jesus, what do you want? What do you want? Because you are the head. It's your church. You're the leader. It's all about you. As you know, decisions get made in your head. So Jesus, as the head, is the one that we turn to for the decisions that we need to make. Furthermore, that means that we look to him as head and leader Because he takes responsibility for us. Now, what does that mean? All right, so here's how it works. You and I, we sin against God. Jesus doesn't cause us to sin. It's not his fault. It's our fault. But Jesus takes responsibility for it. Here's what I mean. He comes into human history. And he lives without sin. The perfect, obedient life. And he substitutes himself in our place and he dies for our sin. That leads us to the second way that Jesus loves us. That is as our Savior. You already heard a part of this, verse 23, but I want to extend it. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. We just talked about the fact that we're sinners We need a savior. We are not good people getting better. We're bad people getting worse. And what that means is that we cannot save ourselves. And religion can't save us. Philosophies can't save us. Morality can't save us. We need someone apart from the system. Someone who is untainted and unstained by sin. Think about almost any blockbuster film you've ever seen. There's almost always some sort of a savior figure. There's a crisis. There's impending doom. And then the hero is the one who comes in to save the day. That story, that longing, 
that our culture borrows is really the great epic story of the Bible, that God comes on a rescue mission to save, and he comes to save us from hell and sin and death. And so this this is good news for us, and it shows us how much Jesus loves us because it means we can live with hope. We don't have to look at our lives and say, well, you know who I was is who I am today and who I'll always be. There is no hope or change for me. No. Our Savior has come. And he has saved me from my old way of life and saved me to a new way of life. The Savior changes who I am and gives me a new identity. It also means there's only one Savior. There's only one path to God. Different roads lead to different places. Nicky Gumbel, the pioneer of the Alpha Course, has said, if I want to fly to Rome, I can't just get on any plane. Jesus said it this way, I am the way and the truth and the life. That's pretty singular and exclusive, isn't it? No one comes to the Father except through me. He alone is Savior. He said he came to seek and save the lost. Well, that's us. Do you know Jesus as Savior? Have you received his love? Do you understand that he has taken responsibility for your sin? And as a Savior, he is glad to take on the consequences of your sin. The third way Jesus loves us is as a giver. Here's how it's expressed in Paul's letter. He said, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, our world knows nothing of this. We live in an entitlement culture where we are far more concerned with our rights and our responsibilities, far more attuned with what we should receive than what we should give. Perhaps the younger you are, the worse it is. We don't live in a world that's marked by generosity. We just don't. Truth is, you can easily determine who or what you love by following the money. Jesus said elsewhere, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, for example, let's say I go to a man's home, and and let's say that he's married and has three kids. And upon arriving at his home, I immediately notice there is this huge boat and several ATVs and hunting and fishing gear and new golf clubs and a golf cart. Meanwhile, I see that the house is falling apart. The wife drives a beat up car. I go inside and the kids are in tattered clothes. I know exactly who or what he loves and I know exactly who or what he doesn't love. He can say, no, 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 no. I I love my family. Say, no, you don't follow the money. You love yourself. You love your hobbies. You love your toys. You don't love your wife. You don't love your kids. You don't because love isn't just what you feel. It's a commitment that compels us to act. And part of that action is giving its generosity. So what do you give your time to that shows us who and what you love? What do you give your energy to or your possessions to or your wealth to? That shows us who and what you love. Jesus loves 
the church. This is incredibly significant. Whatever cause you're into, 2,000 years from now, it'll be over. Whatever organization you're committed to in 2,000 years, it will be over. Whatever nation you're a citizen of in 2,000 years, it will be over or at least dramatically changed. But if Jesus has not returned in 2,000 years, there will still be the church of Jesus Christ. We are going and have been going for 2,000 years, and we're the biggest thing that's ever been. More nations, more languages, more cultures, more people have been a part of the Christian movement than anything in world history. And it's not because we're so smart, because we're not. It's not because we're so well organized, because we're not. It's not because we're always about doing great things, because we're not. It's because God in Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Just like a husband loves his wife and keeps giving of himself, Jesus keeps giving of himself. The resurrected, living Lord keeps giving of himself to the church. So give yourself, here's what I want to tell you. Give yourself to what Jesus gave himself to, the church. Now, I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about his people. Give yourself to the church. Give your money, your heart, your time, your life to the church. Why? Because that's what Jesus gave himself to. Now, someone's going to pause here and start thinking, oh, I see, it's all about the money. No, it's not. It's about the love. Jesus is a giver. And when you and I learn to be givers, it transforms our whole life. If you're a giver, you're a better spouse. If you're a giver, you're a better friend. If you're a giver, you're a better parent. Why? Because when we are able to give our heart, our time, our money, we'll stop loving things and using people. And we'll start loving people and using things to demonstrate our love for them. We can't do this now. It'll take too long. So I'm going to give it to you as a homework assignment. It will take the rest of your life. But think a moment. What is it that you have that's been given to you by Jesus? Make a list. The earth is a gift. Life is a gift. The fact that we are made in his image and likeness is a gift. His righteousness is a gift. Salvation is a gift. Forgiveness of sins, that's all gift. Eternal life, the kingdom of God, the Bible, the church family, it's all a gift. It's all a gift, and Jesus loves us by giving to us. The fourth way Jesus loves us is as a cleanser. <laughs> Probably you didn't see that one coming. Never thought of Jesus as my you know, holy cleanser, but here we go. We just read that Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. That thought continues to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. What this means is that we are dirty, uh, defiled, unclean, all of that a result of our sin. And religion would say, you got to get yourself cleaned up and then come to God. 
Don't come to God all dirty like. You get yourself cleaned up. Make some changes in your life. Then you come to God. Instead, Jesus invites you to come as you are. And he will love you so you don't stay as you are. He's going to clean you up. Try cleaning yourself up before you come to Jesus. That's like taking a bath before you take a shower. It doesn't make sense. It's not what you need to do. Let me give you an example of this. And any of you who are mothers of young children, this will resonate with you. Or if you are single or married without children, let me just say, children are filled with fluids, all of which are terrible, okay? Children are like sprinklers. And at various points, without any warning, fluids will just emerge unexpectedly out of impressive quantities. You're like, I've got a three-year-old, and there's like 11 pounds of snot. I mean, small children have all kinds of stuff coming out of them, right? Now, let's say that, that you're in a, in a group with, with others, other moms, and it's a Bible study or a play date, and there are four cute little babies in the middle of the room, and all of a sudden, one of them has a blowout or a throw up or whatever it is. Then what happens? One of those women goes immediately to that child. You know that's the mother, right? I mean, you know that for a fact. But chances are, there's at least one other mom that's coming to the aid because that's what moms do. Take that same scenario, a young mom with a with a baby on an airplane full of older adults and businessmen, and there's a blowout, there's not the same thing that's going to be happening here. No one's rushing toward this mom saying, hey, how can I help? There's no way. They're like, hey, put that baby in the overhead bin. You know which one is the parent. Because they are willingly, lovingly there to clean it up. So it is with Jesus, right? We are all children of God. It's not like, man, I got it all over me again. I'm, I'm up to my neck in filth. And, and Jesus isn't going, phew, no way I'm touching that. Instead, he draws near. God comes into human history. He's willing to get his hands dirty. He's willing to clean you up and love you. And then finally, Jesus loves us as a nourisher. Paul writes, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. A lot of this language of loving a woman like Jesus loves the church is about cherishing and, and nourishing. Have you ever seen a woman who is unloved in a marriage? Have you ever seen a woman who is loved in a marriage? Have you ever seen a wife who is cherished by her husband and one who is not cherished by her husband? Life is different for them, isn't it? Proverbs says that there are four intolerable situations that are so horrendous that the world cannot endure them. One of those is an unloved wife. 
It's like the earth collapses under the weight of that tragic failure. But a woman who is cherished flourishes and blossoms. So it is with the church and God's people individually. Jesus cherishes his people like a good husband adores his wife. Now this is super helpful once we realize how Jesus loves us and that this is the foundation of what we believe as Christians. There was a theologian in the last century, a man by the name of Karl Barth, spelled B-A-R-T-H, but pronounced Barth. He was asked once near the end of his life to summarize everything he had ever learned about Christianity and Jesus. Here is this PhD, highly educated theologian. Summarize everything you know about the about the church, about Christianity, about Jesus, this was his response. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Our faith really is about opening the scripture to learn about the love of Jesus. And that's the bottom line of what we believe. Let's pray. Lord, we are so amazed. Jesus is the one who has come, who completely loves us. Where we can't find in our earthly human relationships a truly sacrificial, continuing, without fail, unconditional love because we're sinners. We will always fall short. But thank you that Jesus, Lord Jesus, you are perfect. Your love for us is perfect. And you gave so willingly of yourself, your very life for the church. That is your people. Help us to feel that and experience it and help it spill over so that those around us and those outside of these walls will come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as the one who is the head, the Savior, the giver, the cleanser, the nourisher. And all of this we pray in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.